Good afternoon. It's such a blessing to see each and every one of you here today. Welcome to the heart of Jesus. As we obey his commandments, Jesus comes with such power and authority to change our lives. Please turn with me to Psalm 19, starting at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them is great reward. Going back quickly, the law of the Lord is the commandments of the Lord revive the soul. The statutes, the commandments are trustworthy and true. The precepts, the commandments of the Lord are right. As you come into agreement, with the commands of God to you. They become the covenants you keep with Jesus. And it's in that place that Jesus changes you. By keeping the commands, by keeping covenant. Verse 11 says, there is a great reward. Jesus speaks of this in Revelation chapter 22. Jesus said, Blessed are those who do my commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Blessed are those who do my commandments. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexual, immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give this testimony. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. So as Jesus was speaking about what's on the outside, what he was saying was when you don't do the commands of God, you'll be on the outside. 
but Jesus is offering the free gift of life. If you do his commands, which when I looked up commandments there, it, it's the Greek word entole, which literally means authoritative prescription. By doing Jesus's commandments, doing what he tells us to do, we're following the prescription of God. So in the redemption of a person's life, Jesus, our doctor, says, child, you're sick. You're on a road that leads to death. But I have what it takes to make you well. Will you trust me and take the medicine I prescribe over your life? And the medicine Jesus prescribes is pretty simple. It's obeying his commands, and it's keeping covenant with him. It's coming into agreement with Jesus, saying, I don't know what it means to follow you, Lord, if you're just beginning, if you're right on the verge of making that decision, or you know that Jesus has been calling you, or maybe you've been following for a while. But saying, Jesus, show me what you want for me, and I'll agree. Some examples of keeping covenant, not turning away from Jesus, no matter what you're going through, abiding in his word and prayer, saying, Jesus, I'm not going to look upon the unclean things of this world, upon violence upon what's sexually unclean. Jesus, I'm not going to complain anymore. Even if I'm justified, and if I begin, if that comes up in my heart, can you just close my mouth? I mean, just going back and forth with the Lord, whatever it takes. I'll not walk as a victim. Dealing with the anger and the bitterness of our hearts. So as you follow the commands of Jesus, you'll find that he begins to revive your soul. He really does. You'll find that he is trustworthy and true. Everything in this book you can rely on as fact, as truth. And he will bring you such joy. There's a word that says, Weeping may come for a night, but joy, joy comes in the morning. So I encourage you today not to give up. When you go to the depths with Jesus, and sometimes it's small steps, but it's so much bigger maybe than you've ever done, and you begin to take his medicine, it may take a little while before it feels like it's doing anything, please keep taking it. Don't give up. Don't turn away. Because our actions, as we take the step and decide to take action first, our feelings will follow. Our heart will follow our actions. That's how we prove to Jesus that we're really serious about him. And in this place, Jesus will bring you through. No matter what it is you're 
dealing with right now in your heart, the joy and the peace of Jesus will come as we take this stand with him. I welcome you in the name of Jesus to the National Prayer Chapel. The message is Belshazzar's Feast. Belshazzar's Feast. Let's pray. Lord, we come together in the name of Jesus because we know you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and there is only life in you, Jesus. And we're asking that that life come into us today in power, opening our eyes, opening our ears, helping us to understand. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, we have many of you who are visiting for the first time today. I need to say something to you first. Thank you for coming. I can tell you it means everything to Joshua to have you here. So thank you. I also want to tell you, it was a conscious decision for us not to have a band and not to pay musicians to come in and put on a program. And some of you may go to your church because they have a great ministry of music. We said, no, we're not going to go that way. Oh, we'd, we'd love to have an orchestra, understand. But our decision was that we were going to go after Jesus. And we weren't going to put on any kind of Kennedy Center show. You can go down to the Kennedy Center and go to the opera. And you can laugh a little and cry a little and be inspired. You can watch a, a movie and laugh and cry. We want unvarnished Jesus. So the message I have for you today is pretty unvarnished, pretty straight. If the shoe fits for you today, please just slip it on. We're about Jesus. That's it. That's the deal. It's not about a show. It's not about a program. We are called to be the body of Jesus Christ. So I'm glad you've come today to be a part of the body of Christ. As they've said, I'll be in Jerusalem next Sunday. We're going to hold a worship service on the Mount of Olives. We're going to hold a prayer vigil in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Jerusalem, in Jesus' day, there is a great amphitheater. It's interesting that nowhere in the scriptures does it say that Jesus had the disciples take a night out to go to the show at the amphitheater. He didn't do that. He was about serious business. We're about serious business today. And this story today is so powerful for me. Belshazzar was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar.
as he is holding this feast, the judgments of God are already coming upon Babylon. Unbeknownst to him, the great river Euphrates that flows under the wall of the city and through the city, this beautiful city with the hanging gardens, a, a, a place like none other on the face of the earth, one of the seven wonders of the world. While he's beginning his feast, the armies of the Medo-Persians are diverting the river Euphrates into a prearranged place out into the marshland, and the river is drying up. And the armies of the Medo-Persians are preparing, waiting for the water to drop far enough that they can walk in on the dry riverbed. Belshazzar was a party man. He had a thousand of his top nobles. They were drinking. Thank you, Joshua. (coughs) They were drinking and partying. They were having a good time. They were laughing. But judgment was upon them. Unexpected judgment. They were not paying attention to what was going on around them. They thought they were secure. And as they become more drunk, Belshazzar, in his arrogance and disrespect for his grandpa, one of the greatest kings of all history, the head of Babylon that had swept in and taken his people captive. And God said, I want that man. I'm going to take him for the kingdom. And I'll tell you what, one of the first people I want to talk to when I get to heaven, other than Jesus, I want to talk to Nebuchadnezzar. I want to hear him tell me the story of his going insane and being seven years out eating grass like a donkey. And then what happened? How did he begin to regain his senses as he humbled his heart and God reestablished him? I tell you today, people, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for our God. Now, please... Of great concern to me is that most of you who are here today are religious. And you would say, if you were asked, are you a Christian? You would say, yes, I'm a Christian. The problem is you have never truly been converted. You are still a cultural Christian. You know how to hang with Jesus and you know how to hang with the world. You know how to play the world's game and you know how to play the church game. 
Why do I say that? Because I hear reports of yelling and screaming against your family members. I hear of bitterness and rage. I hear of selfishness and self-centeredness, even amongst our prayer chapel. I see signs that tell me that you're still very much caught in the entertainment of the world, that you've never turned your heart away from the world's entertainment, that you still, outside of church, are worldly. This breaks my heart. (coughs) If the prayer chapel is going to ever be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to have to be filled on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Sunday we can handle. You all dress up nice and you come in and you smile and you talk to everybody and everybody says, what a wonderful person you are. Really, in private, are you a wonderful person? be interesting to ask the wives, how's your husband really in private? Or to ask the husband, what's your wife like when she doesn't get her way? Does she start to pout? Does she yell or scream? Does she get even with you? Does she punch you? What's the private world like? Hey, please, come on. We can all play church. It's what you're like in private that matters to God. So what are you like? Is life a party for you? Where you fight and scramble for what you want? Grab and growl for what you want? Or is your life utterly, utterly, utterly given over to Jesus Christ? Or do you still have a heart full of pet sins that you have walled off and you won't let the Holy Spirit have it? Belshazzar had every opportunity to know about the magnificence of the God of heaven. He had witnessed his grandpa. And so now he orders up the gold and silver vessels from the temple in Jerusalem that were in the warehouse. And he said, bring them out. We're going to use these precious, sacred instruments of worship for the God of heaven. We are going to use them to honor the gods of gold and silver. And as they are doing that in their drunken stupor, there is the sudden flashing on the, on the wall of the fingers, the hand of a man. And he begins to write on the plaster of the palace wall, and nobody can read it. And the king has terrified him, terrified by that huge hand writing on the wall. They'd never seen anything like this before. The scripture puts it this way, and his thoughts so terrified him that his hip joints shook. That's a polite way of saying he wet his pants. This man is terrified. He can't contain himself. 
His knees are knocking together. He quickly calls for the astrologers and the the wise men of Babylon. He says, whoever reads this inscription and gives me its interpretation will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around his neck, and have the third highest position in the kingdom. He could only offer the third highest because he was the second highest. There was yet another ruler above him. I won't go into all of that today. But he offered the third highest position in the land. None of the wise men could read it. Why? Because it was written in Hebrew. And they couldn't read Hebrew. There was an outcry. People were terrified. This strange phenomenon. When suddenly the queen mother comes into the banqueting room and she addresses Belshazzar. This is in Daniel, the fifth chapter, verse 10. May the king live forever, she said. Don't let your thoughts terrify you (coughs) or your face be, be pale. There's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. Please tell me, would anyone who knows you describe you as a man or woman who has the spirit of the holy God in you? I can't think of any description that would be a more honored description. Do your workmates say this about you? One of our congregation works high position in government. He's told me many of the people who work around him or with him are afraid to walk into his office. So he'll make them a cake and give it to the staff. He'll do things that would disarm, you would think, but they're afraid to walk. Why are they afraid to walk into his office? Because when they walk into the office, an x-ray machine turns on their life. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't need to. The x-ray machine's on. They look at him, and instantly they feel guilty for the wickedness that they're walking in in their life. I love that testimony. What is the testimony of others about your life? Do they see you as a good time Belshazzar in their heart? Or do they see you as someone in whom dwells the spirit of the living God? You know, we live in an age of such degenerate wickedness. This last week, there was a a Paris photo shoot of a very famous clothing designer. I thought it very appropriate where he decided to display and take the photos of his new articles of clothing. You know where it was? It was in a Paris toilet. 
At least they're recognizing that their culture is degenerate. And by the way, the pictures were really ugly. I've seen in my lifetime a total disintegration of the basic fundamentals of what has made America great. Dishonesty, sexual immorality, everything seems to be twisted with a knife of darkness that nothing can be clean and uplifting. It makes my heart sick. I want that which is pure, clean, righteous, loving, merciful, kind. I want to be with people who I can trust their words. They have integrity. I can remember my dad as a businessman. So many times I went with him on his on his sales route. And with a shake of the hand, with that farmer, he'd extend credit to that farmer. You think he popped out a contract and had that farmer sign a contract? No, the contract was when they grasped hands and they said, it's a deal, Matt. And dad would say, and I trust your word. And when dad died, there were uncollected debts. And my mother asked me, Ray, do you think you need to take some time and go to these farmers and tell them that that Matt is gone and ask them to pay? And I said, absolutely no. There was a shaking of the hand. And over the next weeks, as word got out that dad had passed, people kept showing up at my mother's house, bringing payment for the outstanding balance of their bills. That's integrity. That's how America used to function. We have to go back to the honesty and the integrity. And the only way we'll do that is to confront the sin of America and determine in our own hearts that we're not going to participate in it. We're going to let Belshazzar have his banquet, but we're not going to sit at his table. We're going to sit at the table of the Lord. Psalm 23, David knew where his table was. It was in the presence of Almighty God. King Saul, on the other hand, he sat at the witch's table and was fed by the witch. Please, today, I don't want this congregation to eat witch's food. I want us to eat the food provided by the Lord God of heaven, the broken body, the spilled blood, that which gives integrity and righteousness, the free gift of Jesus Christ. Daniel looks as he walks into that room. He looks at those burning symbols on the wall. The king speaks and offers him incredible rewards. In verse 17, Daniel answers, and I please ask you to begin to answer 
in the same way to the Belshazzars in your life. You may keep your gifts. You may give your rewards to someone else. I will read the inscription for the king and make the interpretation. Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereign greatness and glory and majesty to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. But because of the greatness, he gave him all peoples, nations, languages. They were terrified and fearful of him. He killed anyone he wanted and kept alive anyone he wanted. He exalted anyone he wanted and he humbled anyone he wanted. But when his heart was exalted and his spirit became arrogant, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven away from the people. His mind was like an animal's. He lived with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like cattle and his body drenched with the dew from the sky. Until he acknowledged the Most High God is ruler over the kingdom of men and sets anyone he wants over it. But you, his successor, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. Instead, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. The vessels from his house were brought to you, And as you and your nobles and wives and concubines drank wine from them, you praised the gods made of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or understand. But you have not glorified the God who holds your life breath in his hand, who controls the whole course of your life. And then these terrifying words. Meaning, meaning God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Meaning you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Press means that your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And that very night, his life was demanded of him. He was slain by King Darius. Now, let me just wrap up very quickly for you. We all have Belshazzars in our life. We all have Belshazzars. Perhaps you've even been one. There must come a change in our heart with the acknowledgement that the Most High God is ruler over the kingdom of men and that he holds the breath of your life in his hand. He is the one who determines the course of your existence. And the call today of the Holy Spirit is to humble your heart before him to acknowledge that he is the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and ask him to please come and in his power transform you into his likeness 
Some of you have much repenting to do. Some of you have small repenting to do. But all of us must humble our heart before the mighty God of heaven, before Jesus Christ, and say, Lord, would you take over my life by the power of your Holy Spirit? And would you give me the courage to make decisions about how I'm going to function and what I'm going to say, oh, not at church on Sunday, during the week. So all lying must stop. All bitterness must be put away. All sexual uncleanness has to be turned away. Everything of darkness put out of our hearts and out of our lives as we prepare for the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is kind. He is merciful. It is all a work of faith. It is not anything that we can do ourselves. It is the work of God's righteousness in our lives for us. Salvation is a free gift, but please, it will cost you all of Belshazzar's feasts. But what do you miss? Do you miss waking up drunk in the morning with a hangover? I don't think so. And that's what sin is. It's drunkenness. So today I welcome you to put your feet under the table of the Lord and partake in the communion. We hold open communion. That means that if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you are welcome to participate in the broken body of Christ and the spilled blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray now that this word spoken will find good soil. That anyone today who is still caught in the feasting of Belshazzar will quickly flee to you. That we would put away the wickedness that may yet remain in our hearts and be washed and made clean by your blood. Lord, thank you. There is a heaven to win and a hell to miss. Lord, give us the courage to allow you to do the work of righteousness in our hearts. I pray in your name. Amen.